Hello, my friend. I'm so glad that you could take time and join us for our second study in our Essentials series. We are presently looking into the essential of the joy of the Lord. And in our last study, we considered the amazing price that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, paid for that joy to saturate every hour of our lives, no matter what the challenges are that we're facing or even the season that we may find ourselves in. His joy, paid for in full by Jesus Christ, is more than enough. And so we're going to continue in this study today looking at the power of the joy of the Lord. Remember in Hebrews 1.9 where the word reveals the, the price, this amazing, often beyond comprehension work of the Lord Jesus Christ in how he paid for our joy. It says that he loved righteousness, justice, and purity of thought in action, in attitude, in every way, obeying the Father. He hated lawlessness and sin and iniquity. Therefore, or as a result of his heart posture and obedience to, uh, to God, his Father and ours, the Word reveals that God rewarded him with what the Bible calls in the Amplified Translation, the oil of exultant joy and gladness. This reveals to us the importance that joy is in God's heart toward us. His joy is so important that it was required of His Son Jesus Christ through the entire work of redemption that He would also pay for in full our joy. He bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. He carried oppression, depression. You remember we read about him in the garden of the strain and the sorrow that he felt, even to the point of death. All that he did in that regard was for us and once again to pay for the joy that our enemy would love to see us endeavor to live apart from or even without. But we can choose that joy in the same way that we choose to walk in our understanding of righteousness or peace. So let's consider that for a moment. In Romans 14, 17, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. And another way of saying that is it's not about a list of do's and don'ts, but the kingdom of God is this. It is righteousness, right standing with God, Peace. Again, we have no doubt that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, paid the price for that peace to reign in our hearts and minds. But also, the kingdom is joy in the Holy Ghost. My friend, joy in the Holy Ghost has been paid for as certainly and fully as your righteousness has been paid for, as your peace has been paid for. Oftentimes, because we have been well-fed in the Word, or we have pursued the understanding of the, the truth about our righteousness or about our peace, we often leave behind the joy of the Lord. And here's one of the reasons why. We have often considered, or even perhaps been taught culturally or in our society, that joy is nothing more than an emotion. But let me tell you this, I, it may be a, a, a bit difficult to grasp presently because of how we've been shaped and taught, but joy is not an emotion, especially what we call the joy of the Lord. 
the joy of the Lord certainly impacts or influences our emotions, how we feel, uh, our gladness, our happiness. But the joy of the Lord, it is a chosen heart posture empowered by God. That is what the joy of the Lord is. That means no matter where you are, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, you can choose the joy of the Lord to be your heart posture in the same way that you can choose to walk in righteousness rather than guilt and shame and all that you came through or all that you did perhaps. If you've been forgiven and washed clean by God through the blood of His Son, the Lamb, Jesus Christ, then you are standing right with God as right as you will ever be. And that righteousness is revealed throughout the Word as the result of the work of redemption through Jesus Christ. In that same way, His peace and His joy is the result of what God has accomplished for you and I through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so again, I say joy it impacts our, our emotions, but itself, it is not a feeling, it is not an emotion. It is the chosen heart posture, which is empowered by God. So this joy that God has promised to us, we're going to look at that further as we go along in our study. But today we want to consider how very, very powerful this joy is. You remember uh, a key scripture to uh, us in understanding the joy of the Lord is Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10, where the word says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now again, sometimes myself, maybe you're the same, when I hear the joy of the Lord is my strength, I'm thinking, as long as I'm happy, I'm strong. As long as I have gladness of heart, I'm strong. But we need to turn that, that lens around and consider, if I choose joy, then perhaps I will feel happier. I will feel glad, more glad, but perhaps not. Again, it's not about feeling. It's about faith. It's about trusting God. It's about choosing the heart posture that Jesus paid for so that no matter what you're facing, it may be gray clouds all around, and there may be woe and doom and bad reports, and uh, you're dealing with infections or you're dealing with uh, being treated badly by others. Whatever it may be, you can choose joy. It may make you feel better uh, in your emotions, but don't count on that. But count on this. When you choose the heart posture of the joy of the Lord, you will be empowered by God because he has declared the joy of the Lord it is your strength. Now, we're going to look further at that as we go along here, but I want to remind you about something. Remember in Romans 14, 17, where we discovered that the kingdom of God, it's not meat and drink, that list of rules and regulations, but it is righteousness, peace. And it goes on to say joy in the Holy Ghost. It doesn't say the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit, certainly, but it's more so as the joy of the Lord. Joy in the Holy Ghost is how Romans 14, 17, 7, 17, 7 says it. 14, 17, sorry. Joy in the Holy Ghost is a way of describing it and understanding it that wherever the Holy Spirit is, 
there is joy. In the same way that wherever the Prince of Peace is, His peace is there. Peace is the atmosphere of Jesus. Joy is the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. The joy in the Holy Ghost is the power, it is the strength that is promised, that is brought to our lives when we choose the heart posture of joy. It's not just the feelings of joy, it is the person of joy or the joy in the Holy Ghost. What about Acts chapter 1 verse 8 where the word says, you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be witnesses for me throughout the world. Now, when we receive power of the Holy Ghost, I realize that there is anointing and there is a supply of strength and power that comes directly through him. But even in Hebrews 1.9, the anointing is described as the oil of exuberant joy. Is it possible that a part of the anointing or uh, elements within the anointing and within the power of the Holy Ghost is indeed the joy of the Lord. I want to remind you again, joy is not an emotion. It is the heart posture chosen by those who trust God. And that heart posture of joy is empowered by the Spirit of God Himself. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If we were to consider Nehemiah uh, chapter 8 verse 10, where the word says that the, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That word strength in, in the Hebrew actually means the joy of the Lord is your stronghold. It is your high tower. It is your place of safety. Isn't that profound? So joy is not only a heart posture, it is a place that you can access by faith. Remember and understanding that the name of the Lord is a high tower or is a tower of refuge that the, the righteous run to and they are safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower or a high tower or it is a stronghold. Now, back in biblical days, in historical days, uh, the stronghold that we are understanding and referring to is often thought of as being far, far away from the battlefield. In other words, in order to get to the stronghold, you're going to need to leave the fight. You're going to need to leave the battlefield. You're going to need to go far, far away. In other words, you need a vacation. You need some time off. Your commander in chief needs to give you the freedom uh, of, of having some time away, some time off, so that you can go far away, go into that strong tower and recover. My friend, it is nothing like that whatsoever. In biblical history, the strong tower was right in the middle of the battle. Now, it wouldn't be in the middle of the battlefield, but on your side of, of the country side or, or the battlefield, there would be strategically placed strongholds so that no matter what you're facing, you may have arrows flying and javelins and swords and all kinds of, uh, uh, of chaos going on around you. At any moment, if you needed to, you could run to that strong tower and right in the midst of the battlefield, right in the, in the face of everything that you may be dealing with and all that you may be going through, my friend, there is a stronghold available and accessible to you the moment 
moment you choose the heart posture of joy. The joy of the Lord, yes, it's your strength, but in actual definition of Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord, it is your stronghold right in the middle of your battlefield. Now, in that stronghold, there is joy, but there is also supply of strength. And in the joy of the Lord, in that oil of exuberant joy and gladness. There is healing virtue. There is freedom virtue or deliverance, if you will, from the strongholds of the enemy and the power that he has worked against your life to bring this battle to your door. Whatever it may be, in that stronghold of joy, the Word of God promises us there's strength there. There is power there. There is virtue there to change situations and to heal and to deliver and to receive store and to make new. This is the, po- the power of the joy of the Lord that Jesus Christ paid for even upon the cross, yes, but also the price that he paid for you and me of 33 and a half years being tempted in every way, yet choosing in action, in word, in attitude, and in thought to obey his Father perfectly, receiving that reward of the oil of exuberant joy and gladness, passing that reward on to us who have put our lives in him or in his hands so that we now enjoy the reward of his victory and obedience to the same measure that he does. The joy of the Lord, joy in the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, lives on the inside of you, the Prince of Peace is there. The King of Righteousness is there, yes. But who else is there in the power of the man Jesus Christ or in the Holy Ghost is joy in the Holy Spirit. You may ask, in this moment, then why? Why do I feel so weak at times? Why do I feel so powerless uh, in the face of adversity and challenge? It may be simply because you are not spending the time, the minutes necessary to feed upon the faith-building, joy-releasing promises of God's Word. You know, it, it, you, you can walk through uh, Whole Foods and Alpha Foods and all of these amazing stores where there is highly nutritional food and you can, you can purchase it and you can bring it home and you can have all of that wonderful nutritional health building food uh, accessible to you, but it will absolutely do you no good whatsoever if you don't eat it. You have to take the time, my friend, to open the Word and spend some time feeding upon the bread of life. It will build your faith. It will open your eyes, your ears, your heart to the truth of everything that God has done for us and certainly all that He has promised. You know, when we begin to consider all that it is that Jesus has done for us, it is very difficult to stay sad to stay depressed, or to not choose the heart posture of joy. I want us to consider uh, 1 Peter, just, just for an example, just something that we can look at together. And there, there are just 
countless reports like this throughout the New Testament and even flooded in the Old Testament, all giving honor and glory for who God is, who Jesus is, what he has accomplished for us, and now what the Holy Spirit causes to rise up within our hearts, empowering us with the exultant oil or the oil of exultant joy and gladness. So here in 1 Peter uh, 1, if I can begin in, in verse Three. This is the Amplified reading. It says, Praised, honored, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. By His boundless mercy, we have been born again to an ever-living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Wow. That in itself is cause to joy and rejoice because of who He is and what He has done for us. Verse 4 goes on to describe us even more. We are born anew into an inheritance which is beyond the reach of change or decay. It is imperishable, unsullied, unfading, and reserved in heaven just for you. Now that doesn't mean that we have to wait until heaven until we receive our inheritance. It means that there are parts of that inheritance that are reserved for us in heaven. In other words, we're not going to embrace and experience the full entire measure of that inheritance until we are home in heaven forever in the presence of our God and our King. But remember, Romans chapter 8 says that we are heirs of God. We are joint heirs or co-heirs is what that means, equal heirs with Jesus Christ, meaning everything that Jesus inherited from his Father because of his obedience, including not only righteousness. Remember, he became sin for us who knew no sin, but when God raised him from the dead, he was completely justified. He was made righteous again, and that is made righteous for us. We have been given this, this peace because the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Well, equally, he bore our griefs, our sorrows, our despondence, our oppression, all of those things that would cause our joy to be depleted or, or our lives to be uh, separated from that joy. He paid the price in full so that now we need never be apart from that joy again. It's part of our inheritance. That inheritance that has been given to us includes the joy of the Lord that is rightfully ours, paid for in full, so that we can choose at any moment. That's the stronghold where we find our strength, our healing virtue, and whatever it is that we need from God to go on in the battle and face the adversity of our day, or rejoice in the, the blessing and the freedom that He so readily and bountifully uh, brings to our lives. So that inheritance is unsullied, it is unfading, it is reserved for us, who being guarded and garrisoned by God's power through your faith until you fully inherit all that He has paid for in full for you through His salvation. So what he's saying there is, there is so much to rejoice about. He says in verse 6 now, he brings it right through, you should... I'm just emphasizing what, he's, what the Apostle Peter has written by the Holy Ghost. You should be exceedingly glad on this account. Oftentimes, however, because we forget the account, 
we forget what God has done for us, or we get so caught up in the sensory realm, what we watch on TV, what we're reading on online or Facebook or news or all of these things, or symptoms that we're dealing with in our body or the relational challenges of family or friends or whatever it may be. It is easy if we don't regularly feed on the Word of God to lose touch, if you will, of the full account of everything that it is God did for us and continues to supply for us through that unchanging covenant and and supply for us that inheritance that we oftentimes we become overwhelmed with the chaos and the culture of this world or what is surrounding our lives. But any moment, my friend, if you go back to the account and you consider what it is that God has done for you and all that Jesus has accomplished and what the Holy Spirit desires to cause to moment by moment rise up within your heart, I'm going to agree with the Apostle Peter in saying you should be exceedingly glad on this account. Oh, what God has done for us is far more than anything the enemy can or ever will do against us. What a great God. What a great Savior. What a great Holy Spirit He is that He would bring these truths to our hearts so that we might rejoice. We should be exceedingly glad, even though now, for a little while, it says, we may be distressed by trials and suffer temptations. And so the Apostle Peter writing here, he's not ignoring uh, the, the challenges, the trials, the sufferings. He's simply saying that in the midst of all of them, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your stronghold. Yes, we're all dealing with temptations, with stress, with trials, with trouble. But because of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, we can choose the heart posture of joy and be empowered all the more to deal with whatever the enemy may bring against I like how Peter calls it test and trials. You know, when the enemy brings test and trials, we ought to let that spirit of faith rise up in us and say, okay, this is a test. This is, this is against me trying to uh, take joy from me or trying to get me out of the stronghold. Uh, this is a test to make me doubt God or to keep me from His Word. Whatever the, the attack may be, look at it as a test. Look at it as a trial. Look at it as an opponent on the battlefield rising up and mocking your God and mocking your health and mocking your peace and joy. And let the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, the, the joy of the Holy Ghost, rise up within you and declare back to the enemy, I am who God says I am. I am the redeemed of the Lord. He has taken me out of your hands, out of your control, out of your power. And because I choose Jesus, I choose joy in the Holy Ghost. He is my strength. He is my power. He is greater in me than he or it or whatever it is in the world trying to come against me or my family. And because of who Jesus is, I am in him. I walk in the power of the joy of the Holy Ghost. You know, when you, when you see a, a tree that is, uh, let's just say, mature and has endured, it's not because that tree has never faced any storms. It hasn't 
hasn't gone through challenging situations. Maybe, uh, for example, I, I remember going to the Redwoods in Northern California up in Humboldt County, and there are trees there that I put my hand on that are literally hundreds of years old. Now, I may startle you if you're not aware of this, but there are trees there that are 3,000 years old. That's a thousand years before Jesus even walked the earth. Those trees right now are still growing. They have endured fire. They have endured flood. They have endured man. They have endured all kinds of different schemes and operations that were targeted against their longevity and health. But they remain healthy and tall and strong and still growing. Oh, how I would love that to be my testimony in my 70s, 80s, 90s that I'm still strong in the Lord and I'm still learning and I'm still growing and I'm still becoming. Why? Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Now, if you take a mighty oak and you see that tree in the midst of a storm, its limbs and leaves are blowing so radically and chaotically, but it's going to make it through the storm. Yes, it may lose some leaves. It may even lose a limb or two. But because... That tree is rooted in truth. Of course, I'm speaking of you and I. Because we are rooted in the Word of God. This Word is unshakable. It is unmovable. It is unchanging. And even though the storms may rage on the surface of our lives and all around, people can see that we are uh, uh, dealing with symptoms or, or challenges or circumstances, whatever it may be. We know because our roots go deep in Jesus and the integrity of His Word and the power of His resurrection and all that it is He fulfilled for us, we know I may look like I am going through a storm, and certainly I am, but my heart, my life is in the stronghold of the joy of the Lord. And this, this storm has come, but it will pass. And the truth is, I will remain. I will be here when all of the dust settles and the limbs and the leaves are everywhere. I will still be here to endure the next storm because the joy of the Lord is the choice of my heart, and in Him I am strong, I am able, I am complete, not because of what I have done, but everything that Jesus has done to secure that that inheritance has made it to my life. He has done this work so completely, so wonderfully. What we must do, friend, is choose to not only feed upon that word. We've, we've got the, the greatest spiritual nutrition available to mankind right here in 66 Books of Promise. I encourage you, open your Bible, find those passages of promise, feed upon the goodness of God, and let your faith and your joy soar high. You know, when you get on a train, you choose the seat that you're going to sit in. You can choose to sit where you can't see anything uh, or that is blocked by all kinds of uh, advertisements and things that might distract you. Or you can choose to sit where the view is open and wide. You can see where you're going. You can see where you've been and you can enjoy the journey. In the same way, when you wake up in the morning, 
you're choosing. Are you going to get on the train of discouragement? Are you going to get on the train of trying to digest the, the culture and the chaos of this world? Or are you going to rise in the morning and say, now is my opportunity. I am choosing my seat and I'm going to sit where I can see the goodness of the Lord. I am going to sit where I can enjoy the fullness of all that it is that God has done for me. And I'm going to let my life shine forth His goodness, His glory, not only His righteousness through my, my choices and my actions, not only His peace with what I allow my mind to be settled upon and trusting His Word and His faithfulness, but I'm also going to choose the stronghold that God has promised me, abundant strength. I'm going to choose the joy of the Lord. He is more than enough, my friend. God bless you. I'm looking forward to our next study as we consider the promise of joy that belongs to us through Jesus Christ.